0: Amelia. I'm Ashi. And I'm Mia. Welcome, Welcome to, to All Girls Considered, a podcast dedicated to telling the stories of inspiring women and girls. Today we are speaking with Mindy Porter, who's the Director of Education at the Scott Family Museum in Bentonville, Arkansas. According to their website, the museum wants to bring learning to life and enhance family
1: involvement while evoking a sense of curiosity and discovery through hands-on activities and interactive
2: exhibits.
3: Welcome, Mindy. You can tell us things about yourself like what you do and where you're from. Sure.
2: Thank you, ladies, for this opportunity to be on this incredible podcast I'm honored to share with you today. Um, I'm originally from Missouri, so I grew up in the northwest corner of the state and moved to Springfield to go to college and found my way here in Arkansas um, to help open the Scott Family Museum. Um, So I'm the director of education, as you said earlier, and that means I get to oversee all of our educational programs. So that can be professional development for teachers and educators. It can be our amazing summer camps, scout workshops, early learner programs. Um, I also oversee the team that interacts with our guests uh, when they come and explore the exhibits.
0: What's your favorite part of the job?
2: Favorite part of the job? There are so many things that I love about my job. This is one of the best jobs that I've had um, in my career. I think probably the best thing I like is getting to see People change the way that they view the world. So, getting to see adults and children come in and play, and they just leave in a more creative mindset and more curious about the world around them. So, it's a it's a pleasure to be able to provide experiences that um, engage guests like that.
3: So, what do you think kind of like pushed you to choose this like I guess you could say entrepreneurial like career path?
2: Yeah. I kind of stumbled into the museum field. I have a degree in biology. Um, I always liked science growing up. I always liked working with kids growing up, but I never knew what that would mean for me as far as a career. And I started volunteering at a science museum when I was in college, and I just fell in love with it. And so I was able to get a, a position at that museum um, to start an outreach program, and then I have just um, worked my way up and advanced my way into the field. So. Um, I just stumbled into it, honestly, yeah.
3: yeah, crazy. kind of
2: chasing the passion a little bit, yeah. and it worked out. <laughs> yeah, it did work out, yeah, because
3: yeah. <laughs> you, you've been able to kind of build your own, like, um, not empire, but yeah, you, you've built your own, like, business, so that's great, that you can take something that you enjoy doing, and you can, like, make it a job. Yeah, that's really cool. I think
2: that's, that's the ultimate goal, right, is yeah. to find your passion, and then find a way to actually make your passion a career, mm-hmm. and so I was um, fortunate enough to be able to do that, so... Identifying that passion is the first step, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Could you t-
1: you told us like that you worked at a science museum. Could you tell us about your experience there?
2: Um, before I came to the museum, yeah, my first museum was in Springfield, Missouri, um, the Discovery Center, Springfield, and I started as the outreach coordinator. So they had a grant um, where they wanted to start an outreach program going into fifth-grade classrooms and bring hands-on science to the classrooms. They needed help raising their standardized test scores and helping them just have more hands-on science in their classes. Um, so I developed a bunch of curriculum, uh, really amazing hands-on um, activities that were an hour long, and I would show up to a school um, for seven weeks in a row with an awesome tub full of incredible experiments, and I would get to work with fifth-graders, and I would teach them um, hands-on stuff, And we do great experiments together and ask all sorts of great questions. Um, And then on the eighth week, they would come to the the, um, museum on a field trip and kind of have a celebration moment. Um, So I started that program and taught hundreds and hundreds, if not thousands, of fifth graders. um, And really understood what it meant to be an informal science world, how to use um, our hands as a way to think and to explore the world. Um, and then I was able to move from that museum to Hot Springs, Arkansas, to the Mid America Science Museum, where I was the director of informal learning, where I got to help shape the educational focus of the museum and um, start a bunch of new programs and build a new educational focus. And then move my way to the museum to help open the museum.
0: Yeah. A little
2: bit of a journey there.
0: Yeah, a little bit of a pathway. Yeah. What's your favorite thing about working with kids?
2: Favorite thing about working with kids? I mean, they're hilarious, right? <laughs> Do you guys get to work with kids and interact with babysitting? Or, yeah, a little bit. You know how funny they are, yeah, right? Yeah. They just say the funniest things, especially when they um, have something that's really interesting or shocking to them that they just saw that they don't quite know how to process. Their first reactions to that are just amazing. They're just raw emotions that you get to see, and I think that's really great. So being able to see those moments, I really enjoy. Um but again, those moments at the museum, we talk a lot about two types of amazing faces that we want to see. So we like to see the the wow, the aha, oh my gosh, that was amazing, mind blown kind of face, right? We like to see those faces because we know something big just happened, right? Um, those are really exciting to see. But then we also like to see the amazing face where it's that really like focused. Um, The world is like really close in you're focused in on like a foot in front of you and something's just like you've got a question You're just chasing it down, right? And that's the only thing that matters. is this little part right in front of you Um, So I love seeing that kind of face too So I think being able to work with children help them have both types of experiences. That's one of my favorite things
3: So I was just wanting to know um, I guess throughout the course of your kind of career development path like maybe in school were there any struggles that you might have like run into or like advice that you could give to other people who might want to like create their own business kind of like you did or like their own career path? Yeah. I think we talked a little bit about it already, but just finding your passion.
2: What do you really like? What do you enjoy? What gives you energy whenever you get to explore it? I think that's important. So finding ways to test out just lots of pathways. You know, I've been I wouldn't have known that I liked science so much if I didn't have an opportunity in third grade, fourth grade to do science. I had an amazing teacher in the fourth grade that we did volcanoes and roller coasters and things like that. I remember that. So having the opportunity to try it, um, to find out if I like it or not. You know, I tried art as well. Not my thing. I can't draw. (laughs) I draw when I have to, but I don't draw for pleasure. But I had to learn that, right? Um, So I think just making sure, trying to have as many pathways and opportunities so you can try things out to see what you like and what you don't like. I think both of those are really important. So give yourself opportunities. Seek them out. Don't wait for somebody to give them to you. Find them on your own and try it. And if you don't like it, that's okay. Now you know. You don't have to worry about putting energy into it.
0: Um earlier, you were talking about how you worked at many different museums. Mm-hmm. And so how did you get into working at museums?
2: Yeah. Um, I, like I said, always liked kids, and I always liked science. Um, and I knew that there were, I would probably do something with education. Um, I grew up in a household of teachers. My mom, my dad, my grandma, uh, were all classroom teachers, school teachers. Um so I knew what that um, what that career field looked like. And I just knew that wasn't the right fit for me, that I wanted something different, but I didn't know what that was. So really it was um, in college spending a lot of time in different positions where I got to work with students in different ways. Um, and I started hone in on um, informal education being the pathway I wanted. Volunteering at the museum really helped me to understand that a little bit better. Um, but really just growing my understanding of science and how to do science in a really productive way. Um, in a hands-on, interactive kind of way. Um, and then just happened to hear when I was on campus that the museum was hiring, and I applied and was able to find my career path for that. So a little bit of luck, I think. The stars aligning, I think. Um, but again, just kind of chasing down those interests and those passions.
1: Would you say like your family mentor Would like your family members would be for like mentors for you?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I learned a lot from mom and dad and watching them as professionals, how they interacted with each other, how they interacted with everybody in their, in their schools, um, regardless of their status or their title, just how they treat everybody equally with respect, um, how they um, spoke about learning, how they spoke about um, how to encourage students in their learning, um, definitely had a huge impact on me for sure. And just their constant encouragement and, and support of me and, and helping me ask questions and figure things out, being patient with me <laughs> as I tried to figure it out. <laughs> I don't think I have it fully figured out yet.
3: <laughs> truth be told. <laughs> Do you think there's any other maybe influential people in your life? Maybe not relatives, but maybe just like so not celebrities, but just people that have like influenced you personally?
2: Yeah. I can think back to several Um, I remember when I first uh, started working at the museum in Springfield, um, brand new to the museum field, first time to have like a career type job, um, not really knowing what all of that meant. Um, I was able to meet um, somebody from the Exploratorium, which is an amazing museum in San Francisco. Um, So I was able to do a work trip out there and I, I um, I met him and he was just amazing. Like he had... Uh, wisdom he had perspective he'd been in the museum field for a long time and he just took a lot of time just to talk with me ask questions um, and encourage me and he just had so many like great phrases you know like one-liners that were just so powerful um, so he was a great mentor to me in my early career um, and I can think back to teachers that were influential um, you know youth ministers at my church that were really influential um, just anybody that would give some time and, mm-hmm. and And ask questions and
0: care.
3: I just wanted to know some ways that you and your team have worked to make the Amazium, I guess, kind of different from, like, standard science museums. Because I've been to a couple, Mm -hmm. and the Amazium is completely, I feel like it's really innovative. And I just want to know what you guys did to, like, make it different and the steps that you guys took. Yeah, I'm glad you think it's innovative. That's really really exciting. Yeah.
2: Well, we went to a lot of museums. Um, so, uh, the core team that started the museum, uh, we all had several years of experience in museums, so we had that experience to draw on, but we also visited probably 30 to 40 different museums in about a year span of time, um, just to see what they're doing, how they, um, approach learning, how they structure their team, what kind of policies do they have, what is their work environment, what's their culture like, um, so we just learned a lot from other museums, uh, their successes, their failures, their struggles, Um, and we tried to take all of that to heart Um, and had just a lot of discussions in the early days about what type of museum were we going to be, what was most important. Um, We also spent a lot of time in the community, Um, so we did a lot of listening to the community. We went to schools, to businesses, um, to fellow museums, um, and we just Ask them, you know, what are your aspirations for for your community? Where what are the needs in the community? You know, where are their gaps? What's already going really well? So we don't need to reinvent the well, the wheel, um, or the well. Um, how do you? How can we partner to make Northwest Arkansas um, as as amazing as it can possibly be? Um, so through that listening and hearing where the needs were, um, through seeing just other really innovative museums, um, kind of meshing all that together and. Um, Trying to hold true to what the culture we wanted to have, and um, not compromising
3: on that. Yeah. So, so you basically found the gaps, like things that you know Northwest Arkansas could improve on, and you tried to incorporate that into the Amazia. That's yeah. really cool.
2: Yeah. Like one of the major gaps that we saw, um, you know, Northwest Arkansas has phenomenal arts education. Um, there's amazing theater programs. Um, uh, Crystal Bridges art museum, right? Like There's just amazing arts opportunities in Northwest Arkansas. So we knew that was well covered. We didn't need to worry about um, trying to um, reinvent that wheel. Um, But we realized that there wasn't a lot of STEAM education, right? Science, technology, engineering, arts, and math. There wasn't a lot of that happening in Northwest Arkansas, but there was a lot of need for that. Um, Schools in particular, libraries, we heard that a lot. Um, and from a lot of the parents, that they were looking for opportunities to do hands-on science. We want to play around with technology. We want to explore these things. There's just not a lot of opportunities to do that. We also heard that there weren't, um, there's not a lot of places for families to go and be active together. A lot of the experiences are kind of passive, like going to a movie. It's passive. We're sitting back. We're not talking with each other, right? We're not really engaging with each other. We're watching the screen, which that's a great experience, but there's really and there were no other experiences beyond that type of experience in Northwest Arkansas. So we wanted to provide something that families could come together. And however you're defining family for that day, it could be the four of us coming to the museum and you're my family for the day. And we get to interact with each other and play and explore um, and build memories. And so that was something that we saw was a gap that we could fill.
0: Has your family been influential in your career?
2: Yes, they definitely have. A, been very encouraging all the way through um they never put um an expectation on me that I had to be one particular thing as I grew up they didn't say you have to be a lawyer you have to be a doctor you have to be an artist um they just um really supported me in in all the things um and they also um have just supported me with each career step as well. They've been there for museum openings. They've been there, you know, uh, with all the celebration moments along the way and the rough spots too. They were there to be a crying shoulder for me. <laughs> yeah.
1: Is there like a certain age group that the museum is like focused around to help
2: with learning? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, the museum itself, usually we say, kind of two to ten years old are kind of the sweet spot of coming to the museum as a family unit and exploring. We get um, youngers, for sure. We do have two and under spaces, um, and we have opportunities for our earliest of younger learners. We also have some programs that run for the older age bracket, like your your age bracket. Um, We do have some programs, some camps and things that um, go into 14, 15-year-old. And then we have employment opportunities, um, curiosity facilitators, things like that that start around 16, 17 years old. Um, but I'm very curious to hear because I hear that you have some fabulous ideas. Oh yes. On how the museum can work with junior high students more. Can oh. you share maybe one idea that you think is the best?
1: Oh yes, yes. I mean I have many ideas. Um, I'm very in like I'm very enthusiastic about many things. Um, so right now, I feel that like there should be a place for, like, junior high kids to explore because we don't really focus on learning these days. We, I mean, we've been so absorbed with technology and don't get me wrong, that's all great, (laughs) but I feel that we should use it to benefit our learning. And maybe, I feel like one cool thing that would... Be beneficial would be that like we could go through like coding courses mm-hmm. or digital art because I, I, I love to draw I'm I'm an That's artist good. myself I just love it so much and um, I feel like we could use technology for our benefit at the museum.
2: Mm-hmm. Okay, this is good. We'll we'll talk more after this podcast about some of your ideas. I'd like to hear from all of you on that. Um, that is an area that we're looking to explore um, more. Is how. To understand better what your desires are and the things that are interesting to you as a junior high student, um, and then how can we offer programs or ways to get you guys more involved? Because it is a demographic that we're not fully reaching, and we're ready to start reaching the better.
3: So, what do you think? Some of like the main fundamentals you had, like what are the, what were the main fundamentals you had while you were. I guess, kind of creating the Amazium. Mm -hmm. Like, I knew, I know that you were talking about how your parents were very inclusive, and maybe that's something, like, you're inclusive yourself. So I just wanted to know how, like, your personal fundamentals and morals, like, play a part Mm -hmm. in how you created the Amazium.
2: Yeah. Yeah, that's a good question. That's a heavy question. Sorry. (laughs) I like that. Um, When you first asked the question, I was going to go to the core values of the Amazium and what we built it on, Um, but you're asking more, like, personally. Well,
3: yeah, kind of both, because, I mean, yeah. Like, if there's any rules that the museum has or, like, you know, what you guys stand for. Yeah,
2: of. so the masium, um, we do have a couple different ways that we talk about it. Um, we often talk about um, being a museum with three Cs. Uh, we look at creativity, curiosity, and building community. Um, so looking at curiosity, um, you know, having an open mind, asking questions, being um, interested in different parts of the world and wanting to kind of chase down those wonders and those ponderings that we have. Um, Creativity, thinking really broadly about creativity, um, moving beyond kind of the traditional ways that we would think about being creative. And I'm so happy that you are an artist and that you enjoy that um, as your creative outlet. Um, But there's other creative outlets out there. You can be creative in problem solving, be creative in um, communication, you can be creative in Excel sheets. Um, there's lots of ways to be creative and so celebrating all of those different ways and helping people to find their inner creativity I think we tend to lose that as we get a bit older Um, and then building community so we're um, for the community but we're also built with the community and we want to make sure that we're um, building community by connecting people and providing opportunities to be around each other and really engage with each other and when you're playing when you're asking questions when you're Using your hands to manipulate materials and play around with stuff—that's just a great way to connect with people. Um, so those are the the things that we hold most important. Um, we do have our core values that we use kind of as our guiding principles. Um, we celebrate the messy and active nature of play. Um, that that's a pathway of learning that we really put a lot of importance behind. Um, we put a lot of importance behind trust authenticity so we trust each other as teammates but we also trust our guests um, and so that gets expressed in several different ways as you walk around the museum you can see um, not all the doors are locked <laughs> um, you can see that even in our store like how the store is displayed we don't have you know things behind um, locked cabinets or bars or anything like that it's open we trust you that you're not going to walk out with all of our product. Um, same thing in the cafe, we have open um, display cases so you can reach in and grab what you need to grab and we're gonna trust you, you're gonna come around and, and pay in the register. Mm-hmm. Um, and then authenticity is another one that we um, hold to be important, so we have real things, right? There's gonna be real tools, real materials, uh, real phenomenon, there's gonna be you know real problems, real mistakes, uh, real risks that are out there for us to explore. Um, so we have a real semi-truck in the museum other museums, they will choose to put a cardboard one in or a plywood, you know, a fake, kind of cut out where it looks like a truck. Um, we didn't want to do that. We said if we could have a real truck, let's have a real truck. So there's a, a real semi-truck that was put in the museum, and then we built the walls around the truck. So we literally built it around that, that truck. Uh, so when it comes time to take it out, we'll have to do a truck take apart uh, to get all the pieces out. But, um, yeah, so those are a few things that we um, hold to be most important.
3: So since this club is about girls, um, I just wanted to know if there's any, maybe, prejudice you felt like you've experienced because you're a girl mm-hmm. and um, some ways that that's kind of made you stronger in your career. Yeah.
2: Unfortunately, that's a real thing. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, um, women often aren't given the um, same credit or respect um, as, as our male counterparts are. Um, so I think that, for me, it's been... There have been situations, for sure, um, where I felt like, uh, as the only female in the room, that my voice wasn't given the same space to be heard, um, wasn't taken as seriously. Um, been in plenty of meetings where I've said an idea or asked a question and it was mostly ignored and then the male in the room would ask the exact same question or say the exact same idea, and all of a sudden it was this amazing idea, and that was given credit. And so it's it's hard. It's disheartening. It's um, it's frustrating. It's an injustice. We know it's not right. Um, so I think over the course of time, just having to learn that that's not okay um, and not being okay with it. Um, so making sure that I do have a voice and then I'm not going to allow myself I can say something in a meeting, I can have an idea and I can put it out there. Not that it's gonna be the best idea necessarily, but it's an idea and it needs to be heard. And it's just as equally important as anybody else's idea around the table. Um, So making sure that I'm speaking up and that I don't allow the room to kind of consume me. Um, I think also just um, as much as you can, like having um, a common understanding in the room that, we're going to share ideas and we're all, every idea is going to be valid and we're going to entertain it all. So trying to set that culture, um, which is something we've done a lot at the museum, that regardless of um, gender, race, your title, your ranking, your experience, that if we're in a meeting, we're doing a brainstorming session, all ideas are valid and we're going to entertain them all. And we're going to share the air and make sure everybody has a chance to have a voice. Um, and that's been an important thing in particular for me because I've been in so many meetings where I, didn't have that voice, didn't have that opportunity. Um, And keeping an eye out on who's being quiet around the table, like paying attention that somebody over there may not be, um, hasn't said anything the entire time, and we've been in here for an hour and a half, and they haven't had a chance to speak yet. So allowing that person the opportunity to speak as well. So, um, yeah, unfortunately it's a real thing, but I think um, finding my own confidence inside and knowing where my value comes from and that it doesn't depend on somebody else in the room to give me that value that I have it regardless um and trying to hold firm in that easier said than done all the time but yes
3: I I don't want to go too deep into this but yeah definitely like there's like prejudice but um I mean you can't really fight it I feel like it's better to do what we're doing now which is just talking about and you know kind of spreading awareness I guess because um you, you can never get people to understand when you're always angry, so I think that it's great that you really try to, like, be diplomatic instead of getting that, because I know a lot of people who in your position, or, like, have ever felt like that, or even us, because, I mean, I think we've all felt like that, and maybe one time or another. I think some people would definitely, um, I guess, kind of blow up on people and maybe get really angry, but I, I like how you don't even, you don't really think twice about it, you just, you just kind of talk about how you want to include everyone, and it's not just, like, women need to be included, it's, like, all types of people are yeah. included. So how what what are ways that you would like give a voice to girls who maybe don't like speak up about this?
2: I think it's like find find your early success. Find one way that you can have a voice. You know, it might be writing something. It might be raising your hand in class whenever you're terrified because times before you've been shut down, right? It's finding those those small moments. Don't try to like Change the world in one giant step, right? It's that accumulation of small steps, small successes, and there's going to be failures along the way. But that doesn't mean that you've failed in you know in your entire life. It's just a, it's just a setback, and you're going to learn from that, and it's going to make you stronger. Um, so I think just finding those what are those opportunities for you that exist in in your immediate world that you can take that step. I mean, ladies, right here, you're doing it, right? You're you're being a vocal point. Um, being vocal for other girls who may not have that opportunity to be vocal and you're inspiring them and that's incredible. Um, so finding your role in that, um, and it might be, you know, being on the podcast, it might be sharing this podcast with somebody. Um, so they can just start to grow in that confidence. So find your small success and keep
3: going from there. Yeah, because I feel like there's definitely a system in place Mm -hmm. like, um, prejudice not necessarily prejudice just kind of like ranks i guess mm-hmm. so yeah there's definitely a system it's not like you can just kind of uh change it all in one step you have to do the little things so like if so we want women and mm-hmm. men to be equal so i think that girls should start uh following you know their passions more and they should like try to be the best like best in school so they can like start making more than men and like the, you mm-hmm. know just little things like that that you can yeah. do to like help even it out So basically, you're just saying, just be the best you can be. Be the
2: best you can be. I think, too, as females, sometimes we um, tend to be competitive with each other, um, that we tend to be kind of catty (laughs) at times. I'm sure we're all guilty of that. I know I am. Um, So I think also just reminding ourselves that, like, we need to be supportive of each other, right? We need to be each other's champions. And just because I'm going to champion you and really lift you up doesn't devalue me it only makes me better too because I'm raising you up um so seeing each other as as you know not competition right that we're here to help each other and that if I'm bolstering all of you that makes all of us stronger together um not that it creates competition or or attention you know what I'm saying so I think that's an important reminder too because it's pretty easy for us as females to see each other. Uh, sometimes it's that competition to get jealous of each other, or stuff like that. Those emotions come into play. Um, so I think when you remember to not engage with those emotions and, and to um, see each other, celebrate each other's successes, and help each other out whenever you need that help.
0: What's something that's been really challenging that you've faced throughout your career?
2: Oh, lots of challenges along the way. Um, Opening a museum was pretty challenging. Um, When I was hired on, I was basically handed a blank sheet of paper and told to create an education program um, out of nothing, um, which was really thrilling and very terrifying all at the same time. Um, So I think um, that was probably one of the biggest challenges that I've had is just starting from nothing um, and hoping that I'm making the right decisions along the way. Um, hoping that I'm doing um, what is best for Northwest Arkansas and that it will result in something really amazing. Um, But also knowing that I was going to make mistakes, that the person, you know, myself, two years into the future, is going to look back and say, why did you make that decision? (laughs) That was wrong, but I'm going to make the best decision I can with the information I have in front of me with what I know right now, Um, and pulling on those mentors and um, the successes of other museums and other professionals as well. So making calculated decisions, um, but just try and do the best with what I have. But knowing that there's going to be some mistakes along the way,
0: too. So when a family leaves the museum, what's something that you want them to take away from their experience?
2: So many things. I would want them to take away, hopefully, smiles and positive memories. Hopefully, they're taking away a new curiosity of the world around them. That as they're driving home, that they're sharing these experiences that they had with each other and there's just this energy and this joy and this new, uh, new questioning and, and wonders as they're driving around. Um, it would be amazing if they um, were able to take an experience that they had at the museum and that they wanted to keep doing that experience. So we've heard stories of, of families that have gone home and cleaned out a shelf in the garage so they could start a little maker space um, so they could take apart electronics and find out how they work by doing reverse engineering. Um, so that would be amazing if they wanted to continue it on and literally take it home
0: with them. So, one of the last questions we like to ask is what advice do you have for girls listening to this podcast?
2: Uh, the advice I would have to all the girls listening to this podcast would be uh, to not be, that you can be an and person. Um, you don't have to choose to be an or person. So, an and person. Um, Something we talk a lot about at the museum is that you can like art and you can like science. You can like sports and you can be academic. Um, You can like things that tend to be polar opposites, right? You can be a techie person, but you can also love to explore nature. Um, That you have the right to be an and person. And you should have lots of ands in your life. Um, And that you don't have to choose. You don't have to be sports or the brainy person, right? You don't have to be the nature lover or the tech person, right? Um, So just giving yourself permission to find as many ands as you possibly can and find opportunities to try out things to discover if it is an and for you or if it was a, hey, that's really great for somebody else, but that's not my thing. Um, so don't feel like you have to fall into um, a set pathway of, well, I'm going to be a science person for the rest of my life, and this is my pathway, and I can't possibly enjoy art as well. You can't. You get to be an ant person. So find your ants. Well,
3: it's probably time to wrap things up, but thank you so much for coming and share a story with us and our listeners. Have a great day, and we hope that our conversation has been inspiring to some of our listeners. I know it has been for me.
1: And we'll hopefully see you around the next time we visit with the amazing. This is Ashi. And Mia. And Amelia. (laughs) From All Girls Considered signing off.